You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're in the third chapter of Yoma, and we left the story. We left the story of the high priest um, choosing the two lots, one for each goat. We left this story with a little discursus into the nature of the lots themselves. They were originally made out of box wood, and Ben Gamla made them out of gold. So Ben Gamla made a contribution. And in a minute, we're going to go back to the story of the, the choosing of the lots. But before that, we are going to go through the stories of other people who either did or did not make a contribution and as we mentioned yesterday it's very interesting that the the Mishnah of Yom Kippur at a surface level is focused on the if you like the ritual of Yom Kippur all the stuff that we have to do on Yom Kippur but underneath the surface the Mishnah keeps on presenting us with conflicts of values keeps on showing us conflicts of values and we're going to see as it makes these little discurses, these discurses, and we're going to see this as we um, as we conclude the third chapter of uh, of the tractate. So Ben Gamla made the lots in pure gold. Ben Katin Asa Shneimasar Dad Lakior. Ben Katin made twelve dud. A dud is a is actually a teat. A dud is a teat, but it's translated here as spigot. The point is a dud is something that lets liquid out. Ben Katin made 12 spigots for the cure. Now, the cure is translated as laver. Of course, you might say, what is a laver? The laver is the vessel of water, which the priests used to wash their hands in before they served. Now, we said there were 13 priests that were needed for the Tamid. The one actually that did the Shechita didn't need to wash his hands, but the other 12 did. So how are 12 priests going to wash all at once? Well, ah, Ben Katin has made 12 dud, 12 spigots for the kior, for the laver. So they can all get water out to wash their hands simultaneously. And that saves a lot of time. Originally, there were only two. So only two priests could wash at one time originally. The Af, he seems to be a water engineer, actually, this chap, Ben Cutting. By the way, the commentary says he's a, he's a Kohen Gadol as well. He's a high priest. So he's an engineer and he's a high priest, Kohen Gadol, talented fellow. The Af, who are some and he also made a mechanism, a muhan, a, a, a machine for the labor. So its water shouldn't become unfit by remaining overnight. We're not quite sure what this mechanism was. It may be something that allowed the labor to be lowered into the system overnight. The system would be living water. The point is that if you leave water out in the labor overnight, um, in the temple, it becomes unfit. So it has to be just poured out and refreshed the next day. So this mechanism 
somehow kept the water fresh. Either the whole laver was lowered into the system, or perhaps the laver was connected up to the system by a pipe so that the laver effectively had fresh water into it. We're not quite sure which is which, but certainly in some way he connected it up to fresh water so that the water didn't remain overnight. King Munba, Munbaz Hamelech, King Monbaz actually were, uh, according to Joshua Kulp, he was King Monbaz was the king of somewhere called Adi Abene, which is north of Israel and it's in Turkey now. And um, he's a convert. So it's a royal convert. He's mentioned in Josephus. This is basically first century, right? So he's just, he's before the destruction of the temple. So King Monbaz converts to Judaism with his mother, by the way. We'll hear about his mother in a minute. He had all the handles of the vessels used on Yom Kippurim made of gold. Clearly, you know, a lot of these vessels are, a lot of these tools are knives. You can't make the blade out of gold, but he had the handles made out of gold. Heleni, Imor, his mother's called Heleni or Helena. Heleni Imor, his mother Heleni, she made a, a golden candelabrum over the opening of the Heichal, the opening of the sanctuary. She also made a golden tablet on which the portion of the Sota was inscribed. This is a tricky one. Um, the, uh, the priest would write out the pasture of the soda onto a scroll and then he'd of course drop this into the water to erase it but of course what is it's very interesting his mother made this in order that he shouldn't have to bring a sefer torah to write it from she had it written out in gold um interesting there is a sort of theme of chastity through the beginning of the parsha. i i i i find this one a little bit difficult i, I don't want to dwell there but that's the king's mother nicanor nicanor nasu nisim ladal totav miracles happened to his doors they used to mention him for praise nicanor went off to alexandria and had two amazing doors built for the temple they were built of cypress wood and they were covered in brass and he's bringing them back on the ship and there's a storm and uh, the ship is going to sink and the sailors actually throw one of the doors into the sea to lighten the ship anyway this is a, a story told in the Talmud in Yoma they want us to throw the second door into the sea as well it's a bit like Jonah and he ties himself to the door and he says you're going to throw this door into the sea. You're going to throw me in with it. And the sea calms. And then when they get to Akko, the ship docks in Akko in the north of Israel. When they get to Akko, somehow the, I mean, the second door's on the ship and the first one sort of pops out of the sea as if it had been dragged along on, on the bottom of the boat all this time. So anyway, Nicanor was the sort by, because of his courage, right? And all of these people, right, went to personal effort to make a contribution. The point about all these examples is they are all people who make a contribution. And as Jonathan Sachs says about the half shekel, yeah, we finished learning about the half shekel. You can't count Jews. It's forbidden to count Jews, but you can count their contributions. And the Mishnah here is counting the contributions of a certain number of individuals. And then, 
As the chapter closes, the Mishnah is going to bring a list of others who somehow were very reluctant to make a contribution. Ve'elu lignai. So Nicanor was mentioned, l'shevach ve'elu lignai. These of shame. The house of Garamu didn't want to teach how to prepare the showbread. We already learned in Shkalem that the house of Garamu was in charge of the showbread. We learned that the house of Avtinas was in charge of the incense. And the Mishnah goes on. The house of Avtinas did not want to teach about the preparation of the incense. Hugras. Ben Levi, Hugras Ben Levi, Haya Yodea Perik Bashir Vilorat He knew some chapter of song. Again, we're not quite sure what it was. Perhaps he sung it in a very special way. He wouldn't teach it. Ben Kamtsar Lorat Al Masektav. Ben Kamtsar didn't want to teach his way of writing. And apparently he was able to hold four pens in one hand and somehow write four letters at once but he wouldn't teach it and the Mishnah concludes Al harishonim ne'emar zecher tzadik livracha ve'al elu ne'emar v'shem rishaim yirkav of the former it is said the memory of the righteous shall be for a blessing and of these this is the these in our Mishnah it is said, the name of the wicked shall rot. And both of those expressions are from the same verse in Mishle, in Proverbs, which I just brought on the source sheet. So you, you'd have that. Zecher tzadik livracha, v'shem rishaim yirkav. And it's very interesting that these two groups of people are groups of people who somehow either were or were not prepared to put themselves out for the benefit of the community. they Either they were or they were not prepared to share. And, you know, we've spoken before about the fact that the last Mishnah in the Perak is very often the significant the Mishnah, the most, it's the one that has the punchline. It's very interesting, the punch, as we're going through the Mishnah of Yom Kippur, the punchline of the third chapter is about those people who are prepared to share and those people who are not prepared to share. And with that feeling of sort of yeses and noes, generous and not generous, we now draw the two lots. One goat for Hashem and one goat for Azazel. We're, we're splitting, you know, we're splitting up everything into two portions here. And at the beginning of the fourth chapter, we're going to go back to the high priest, Kohen Gadol, Taraf Bakalpe. He Taraf is difficult to explain here. Taraf normally means to um, taraf, uh, taraf Yosef to be uh, violently, to be violently torn, basically to be shaken up by a wild animal. Taraf Bakalpi. Maybe he shook it, or maybe he grabbed the lots very quickly so no one could see which one, which one he was taking. I don't know. Taraf. He somehow grabbed the urn very violently. And he brought up the two lots. Maybe he shook it and threw them up. And you'll see, by the way, in this part of the Mishnah, that the name of God is not written in the Hebrew text. And the text here, by the way, is consistent with Kaufman, right? Because I, in case, or pretty much, I mean, I normally, if there's a doubt, I normally check it for you against Kaufman. So the text here is consistent with Kaufman. 
And we're not using the name of God. We're saying La Shem for the name. Although I've translated that as for the Lord. On one lot is, is inscribed for the Lord. And on the other, as I said, obviously on the real lots, they are going to inscribe the name of God. They're not going to say La Shem. The deputy high priest on his right, the head of the family, the family of priests that, that is serving that day on his left. We've, we've talked about this. Again, it's just like our Yom Kippur when the um, Shaliyah Tzibur stands with two venerable members of the community, one on his right, one on his left, each holding a Sefer Torah. Im shall Lift up your right hand. If the lot for the Lord came up in his right hand, the deputy would say to him, My Lord High Priest, raise your right hand. So everyone will see immediately which lot, which goat is going to be chosen for the chatat, for the Lord. And the im shell, shem, alami bismolo, rosh beit av, omer and if the lot for the name came up in his left hand, the head of the family would say, my, my Lord High Priest, raise your left hand. So they'd show the people immediately which of the two lots had been chosen for God. And then the other one is the, the goat that's going to be sent away. He puts them on the two goats. So the two goats are standing in front of him on his right and on his left. So he's going to place the right lot on the right goat and the left lot on the left goat. Ve'omer, Lashem Chatat. Now the text of Kalfun actually writes out Yud Yud for the name of God. Lashem Chatat. Although there's a correction mark there. Very interesting. As if at one point it said Lashem written Shin Mem and it doesn't anymore. And he says, Lashem Chatat. Rabbi Yishmael Omer, Rabbi Yishmael says, he didn't have to say Chatat, he just says Lashem. And he's really using the name of God here. In other words, he's declaring the name of God as he declares which goat is which. And when the people hear the name of God, because he's, pronoun he's pronouncing the name, when, he, when the people hear, they react. They hear the name as he's declaring which is which, and they answer after him, Blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.